Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is growing a brand and a business with my friend Adam Vasquez. Adam is the CEO of Herd Media. Adam and the Herd Media team help businesses find and serve their customers through audio and video content, and it works really well. They have generated millions of dollars in revenue for their clients. Adam is a very interesting guy. He has also has an awesome podcast, and I know he's behind a number of very successful podcasts, and we'll talk about that on the podcast. Check it out. But... Before we get to the interview, I want to tell you about my friends over at Tomorrow. Website is tomorrow.io. Tomorrow has developed a weather intelligence and climate security platform that is custom built to help logistics and transportation companies to reduce the impact of weather on their operations. The cost of weather-related accidents, delays, inventory damage, service failures, hours of service problems, they're enormous. But what can we do? We can't change the weather. But we can do a better job of planning around the weather. And that's exactly what they do for you over at Tomorrow IO. They have their own satellites. This is the next generation of weather forecasting. Check them out at Tomorrow IO. I will put a link in the show notes so you can reach out and talk to them. So how's it going, Adam? Joe, thanks for having me on. I've been uh, looking forward to this and, and grateful for the opportunity to talk with you. I'm excited to do. I'm I'm glad we finally hit record. We were blabbing and blabbing. We talked the other day too, and I was like, we should do a podcast someday. So we're finally, I hope we're, we're not all them. talked out. We're doing them whether they're recorded or not. That's what's what's going on. Exactly. So Adam, please introduce yourself and your company. Where you're calling from today? Yeah, I'm Adam Vasquez. Herd Media is the com- is the business that I uh, work for. Started six years ago with my with my business partner, and uh, calling in from Greenville, South Carolina. Beautiful Greenville, upstate South Carolina, close to the North Carolina border, right in between Charlotte and Atlanta. So all of you uh, in the industry that are in that 85 corridor should stop by and see us. Nice, nice. So what does Herd Media do? We essentially partner with executives at. You know, we call them critical companies, but that could be any sort of industrial supply chain manufacturing business to suss out two things, really. Number one is the, you know, the unique value proposition that these businesses have to offer. A lot of times in that space, things can become commoditized quickly. So we try to help these executives realize and and recognize what their unique value is. And then we want to find ways to help them attract business in that sector, whatever it might be without having to necessarily work for it. And what I mean by that is without having to have, you know, over-reliance on salespeople or over-reliance on paid ads, we want to find ways to bring that business to their front step so that they can continue to grow their brand. Yeah. And the fact that we use brand in the title, I was, I, I don't think I've done that before. I've done a lot of podcasts. And before we hit record, we we're talking about the importance of branding and also kind of how branding and marketing. If I was to say that to, I, I, I still wonder, are there people listening to this podcast going, oh no, Joe, stop it. I just want sales. I don't care about the brand. I don't care about marketing. Give me good leads. That's all I need. <laughs> yep. And you notice when I described what we did, I didn't say, I didn't say marketing intentionally because of, because of our conversation earlier, but yeah, that's, that is a common, I would say fallacy, logical fallacy that a lot of folks have in the industry. And the thing that I would say is that if you want leads, the best way to earn those leads and the best way to continue that faucet of leads coming without, you know, them walking out the door with your best salesperson is to build a brand. And we can get more into what that means and what that looks like, but I'm all about leads too. I'm just about ways to, uh, to, to get them that can't leave your company. Well, and what's interesting to me, and I've talked to a number of marketing people, I was just at TMSA, the Transportation Marketing and Sales Association. And I think in the past, people would look at, oh, well, we have a sales team. That's the A team. And then we have marketing there down the hall. And the sales team were the sales killers. But you are growing a company. You obviously are doing branding for your company. You're also obviously doing 
marketing for your company, but you are ultimately responsible for closing on sales, right? So it's not as if you, not as if you look and say, oh, I just, I play in the fluffy area of business. You are running a business. And also I'm sure you're being judged by your customers on what can I drop to the bottom line? Yeah. I mean, to the people who say what you just said, sales is the A team and, and marketing or, or whatever else is the B team. I agree. Like historically in this industry, that is a hundred percent been the case. Marketing's not only been the B team, probably the C team. Like if you look at if you look at what has been produced historically in, in this industry, it's pretty bad. And it's a lot of low fidelity transactional type of both strategy and tactics. And so the result then is, you know, not not anything that anybody wants. And and so all of the weight has been on the sales team historically. For me personally, I come out of the ad agency world on the brand level, working for uh, companies like the North Face and, you know, Georgia Pacific and Fortune 500, Fortune 100 even brands. And I, you know, our goal at our business is to bring that level of thinking and that level of analysis and accountability that we would be held to at those companies to this industry specifically. So to anyone who, who says that, like, I fully agree. Our, our whole reason for existing is to write that ship as opposed to continuing. Yep. And by the way, before I forget, I just, while you were talking, I thought, you know, Adam's a very good speaker. Oh, I forgot. He's a podcaster. So what is the name <laughs> of your podcast? I appreciate that. Yeah. Our, our podcast is called Content is for Closers. It's essentially a show for anyone who is in the marketing space, maybe a younger marketer or or an operator who wants to learn more about the space. And we kind of get into the nitty gritty of strategies and tactics to help exactly what we're talking about right now, help, help businesses grow. And I do think uh, when you look around in our space right now, and uh, talking about logistics, transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, marketing is having a moment. Any VC-backed company, you're not going to get a VC to say, oh, you're not going to spend anything on marketing? That's cool. Yeah. What you, do, what you need to do is you need to all make 100 phone calls a day. They, that's, not how they, that's not how they see the world. They expect, I gave you this money, Go if growth is the goal, they are going to expect that you get a, a marketing team in place. And, you know, I don't think it was so long ago, we didn't have a CMO. We, that CMO is something I'd say grew in the last 10 years, chief marketing officer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Before it was, you have a sales, somebody who is in charge of sales and marketing. And again, sales being the lead, marketing being, oh, well, that person's agreeable. They can, they can post things on LinkedIn and Facebook for us and that'll be enough. <laughs> <But> <laughs> totally. And I, I think you're seeing, of course, this happens with companies that are funded, but you're seeing the effects of it be applied to all sorts of businesses in the logistics space, because you see companies like Flock Freight, like Convoy, like Uber Freight, who, of course, like Rose Rocket, who, of course, are deploying their investments into growth and are seeing the, the positive results of it. I want to get back to that idea in just a second. But the real thing, the real concept here, I think, is because marketing has such a bad name in the industry, a lot of these companies are recruiting for what they call chief revenue officers. And that's obviously a, a position right. in software companies forever. And I actually think that's a more appropriate title for what this position is and what companies like mine do. We are revenue generating pieces of the business as opposed to the soft, touchy-feely marketing that people might have in their heads. But you know, now you're seeing, like I said, those companies deploy the same, like Flock, for instance, is getting a lot of praise and rightfully so for the strategies that they're deploying. And I'm not, this is, this is, it's great, but those are, those are nothing novel. They're not even a customer. So no, no, they, don't, they don't need us. They're, they're doing a great job on their own. Well, they do, they do need you, but they don't work with you right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. But my point is what they're doing is not novel in the space, right? It's all very common sense for people who come from that background. They're just deploying it so aggressively and without any, really without any holds barred, and it's it's being successful. And I'm I'm encouraged by that. I think it's going to continue to start a movement in the space of people who are who are pursuing the same things. Well, yeah. And the VC companies, obviously anybody VC backed in Flock and many others are that. They are spending on it. But now in the last decade, we are also seeing 
TQL and CH Robinson, companies that traditionally you would look at as they just make 100 phone calls a day. They have fantastic marketing at those companies too. And um, before I was a podcaster, I was a blogger. And I remember for a long time, just talked to Adam Robinson from our Adam Robinson agency the other day. And he was at Saracis and I was just at a little third-party logistics company. So I started the logistics of logistics as a blog. We were page one for LTL for a long time. Adam, Adam over at Saracis and me. Oh, I wrote cool. a lot about LTL. And I remember thinking, because they weren't, no one was playing. Yeah. And, and I yeah. remember Adam Robinson said, when I came to transportation and logistics, the only person who was writing a blog was you, Joe. And that, that was <laughs> 2009. So it's not forever ago. And he said, and, and he goes, he goes, and you knew how to use SEO. I was like, barely, barely. But he said, enough. You were like the all-star. So it it has seen a lot of growth in this last 10, 12 years. And so I, I think we we hit before we hit record, we were saying if you and I right now today said we're gonna start a freight brokerage, we would come up with well, better yet, you tell me how we should run that freight freight brokerage. We, 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 there's a whole bunch of them. There's twenty thousand. What what do we do to get, become uh, standouts? Yeah, it's a great case study, right? Because any operator of a brokerage or or even an asset based company right now is is essentially having to do this. The industry is becoming commoditized. It's more and more difficult to get past your current network in terms of finding new business. And so, what we're I think what we're talking about is just from a a marketing and media perspective the investment of whatever capital, whether it just be our own or outside capital we take, we're going to want to deploy that in something that's going to continually bring us returns over time, right? And so the the fallacy or the thing that people can fall into at times is to think, I just need to hire the A salesperson. And you do. Uh, somebody like, with a book of business. That's all yeah, I need. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to argue with that. That is That is obviously a great use of investment. The issue with that is, I would say twofold. One is that you're you're pretty reliant then on a individual personality who may or may not bring a sales methodology with them to teach that to other people. And there's there's you know tension in those incentives there. Should they teach other people? Should they not? We, you and I were talking about that earlier. The second thing is you're at risk of that person becoming your brand to your prospects and leaving, going to start their own business. I mean, I mean. How many leading salespeople have left and gone and started their own brokerage, right? At this point, it's happened over and over again. And so investing some of that effort into your own, becoming your own rainmaker and making your brand a rainmaker in and of itself, because it stands for so many things that your prospects are looking for is sort of invaluable uh, as, as an operator of a business, in my opinion. anyways. Yep. Yep. Totally. We'll come back to that. So, Adam, you have a very interesting background. So tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? And give us some career highlights. Just back of the napkin. I know you've done quite a few things before you started uh, your company. So I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Live and die with everything Philadelphia. I mean, Joe, look at this. I know that people are listening. You can't see, but like <laughs> oh, my, got... my desk is full of uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. That, that's a Philadelphia Eagles helmet. Yeah. You, yeah. Do, do you wear it, it close. You wear it when you're not on podcast. <laughs> Sometimes if I get a big sale, yeah, I got to pop it on. And so anyway, grew up in the, in, in that area and eventually moved. Well, Fast forward, went and worked for a number of different agencies. Wait, where'd the, you go to school? What'd you study? Oh, went to school at a small Christian college. It's called Bob Jones University. I studied communication. Actually, I studied, this makes me sound old, but I studied rhetoric and public address, like uh, like I'm Abe Lincoln or something like that. So I don't even think that that, <laughs> <laughs> that that field of study exists anymore, but graduated from there and went into advertising and uh, got to work for a number of different agencies, the last one being VaynerMedia. People may be familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk, like the, the YouTube personality. And when, when I went to work there, I was very honest that I wanted to work there to learn how to operate a business. I've had a lot of respect for Gary and for what he had created. This was a, this is yeah eight or nine years ago now. And so they weren't what they are today, but Vayner was very much pushing the envelope when it comes to new media and uh, got a ton of great experience there working across. Before you leave that, so guys, you can find Gary Vanderchuk. And normally, if you just type in Gary V, 
you'll find him. But he typically says F, the F word quite a bit. I don't usually yes. say that on the right. So he's, when you said that you work for Gary V, I said, Gary F and V? Yeah, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. That's the only one. <laughs> but for sure. he is a very down to earth businessman and he's a huge media personality and very interesting. And uh, you said you liked working for him? Good guy? Yeah. I mean, Gary, I think he's, first of all, much, I, I, I think his YouTube personality is great. I think he's a much even better human when you get to meet well, him. He's a great and man. Spend time with him. Yeah. And he's a great leader, you know, who you can learn from and follow. And, you know, in terms of, I think the one thing from even the YouTube personality, Gary does everything that he's telling other people to do. And I think that's super valuable. If you just watch his behaviors when it comes to building his business, building his brands, using new media, he does all of the stuff that he's recommending. And to me, that's something that I respect a lot because a lot of people come out and say, you should do X, Y, Z, but they're not doing any of those things. That's not the case with him. So yeah, definitely appreciated learning from him. So where'd you go after, um, it, what is it called? VaynerMedia? Yeah. So VaynerMedia, I uh, was there for uh, a couple, few years and got, got to do a bunch of great things. When you ask about career highlights, that's where my mind runs to. Um, we, we launched... A, a pharmaceutical allergy brand called Zizol, the, the, the owl, if you've seen that in stores. Oh, yeah. To, yep. That was a great experience just going through all the process of that. Got to work for a bunch of different, you know, Miami Dolphins and Stainmaster and a bunch of just cross industry experience that was really, really good for me. And then the highlight I would say would be I, I got to write a commercial for Stainmaster that was a, a fake horror film. And long story short, it went viral. People thought it was actually a horror movie. They could go see the brand lift and the, uh, the, the, the results at the shelf were massive for Stainmaster. And that gave me a lot of confidence just in myself that, okay, I can do this. It's time. And uh, so I partnered with my business partner, Derek Rogers, who I still work with today. And that was six and a half years ago. And we've been working on her ever since. So who's your sweet spot for your company? We work with companies that are anywhere from 50 to $200 million in annual revenue and are in these spaces, supply chain, manufacturing, industrial, B2B, th those, those industries. Excellent. Excellent. So I know these are industries that are real easy to become commoditized. And yes. one of the things, you know, we're talking about brand for a second. I joked about this before we hit record, and I, I, I don't want to offend anybody by saying this, but um, sometimes if you look at names of logistics companies, especially if they haven't been in business for a long time, they're like the they're very boring. They don't set the company apart. It'd be like, remember Bugs Bunny? They'd always have the Acme Moving Company, Acme Trucking Company. There's those names where it's like, oh yeah, we'll call ourselves again. No. No offense if this is a company name, but if like, oh, we'll call ourselves standard trucking, you're like, or standard logistics or universal. You're like, come on, guys, <laughs> we can do better. And I do think we are doing much better. So these companies, uh, the newer ones, we talked about Flock Freight, they are doing a better job with the naming. They are developing brands. And by the way, I'm going to put a link to the Flock Freight commercial. So because I was interviewing Oren Zaslansky, one of the founders, I think he is the founder. I started seeing their YouTube video and don't worry, Flock, I didn't click on anything. So I wasn't, I wasn't causing grief on your algorithm there, but I kept seeing their commercials and their commercials are world-class, funny, interesting, and on brand. I mean, and I think they actually won awards for it. They did. They uh, they they just won a can award for B two B, and their their uh, C, their current CMO and CRO, I think he's both Orlando Baeza. He comes from the ad industry, like like we were talking about. Yeah. So so we are seeing changes in this, and people are saying, okay, we want a brand that sticks out, that helps us get above the commodity. And I'll throw this out there. I've said this before on my podcast, but I'll say it again. You don't have to stay commoditized. And I think a lot of people feel the pressure to stay in price-based where my truck is no more valuable than the other truck down the street. And I'm reminded of those of you who lived before there were mobile phones. We used to have these boring phones that were attached to the wall 
and they were just it was almost like a i don't know if you could pick uh, the phone you got it was just kind of a utility and now we have people sleeping in the streets overnight to get the new apple phone and so somehow the leader in the market went from being virtually a utility to people will sleep in the street for their new apple phone so it is possible also there was a time when coffee was a commodity now the leaders in coffee are the premium brands yep again referring to something people can't see but just happen to have the starbucks cup right here like it's 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 a um and here's the thing i would say specifically about the supply chain logistics space i actually think that the fact that people wanted to be standard logistics or abc logistics or app you know whatever that's what makes them great like these businesses they're not interested in spinning and and selling and manipulating they want to be judged by the quality of their work and i respect that a lot especially coming from industries where that's not always the case and so that's why you have so many quality people in this space the the problem with it is no one you know you don't need to change who you are the problem is just more effectively communicating those things that make you special as a business and Everyone goes to service. You know, if you look at any logistics company, if it's a 3PL or it's, it's like service, technology, right? And uh, whatever, uh, the, those are going to communicate. Those are going to be the, the the pillars that people stand on. But everyone is saying that those are those pillars. Somebody's lying. Like somebody's not good at that. So that's, that's what we need to uncover. For a minute. So I built a big following as a blogger. And then people would say, hey, can you help me? So I, for a few sure. years, I was doing digital marketing. I did some websites. And I would say I'm a content marketer and that I've written a lot and I'm a podcaster, but I don't know all the other marketing stuff that you, you do. But I did recognize when you have a good brand versus not having a good brand. And I can tell you when you write in, writing content for people, you, sometimes they're very large companies. They would say, well, okay, one literally had the CEO plus a committee of direct reports who would mark up my articles like it was a legal document. And, and I would say I was writing as a ghost writer, but I remember thinking, no, this is like, this is a great article. It's got some rough edges. It's got a point of view. It, this is who you want to be. And they turned it to oatmeal every single time. I couldn't write for them anymore. I, I couldn't do it anymore. And I used to think, cause they were bigger corporations and they were afraid for anybody to have any sort of any sort of reaction to it. And I wrote another article and I always think about this and it was went to an email list. And I remember it was not, not at all threatening, but it was basically talking about how technology is coming. And it was basically techies versus the freight brokers. And I remember basically saying there's a lot of tech enabled companies are coming. This is probably seven, eight years ago. And they're coming and they're coming for freight brokerage, right? And they, they're 10 and 0. <laughs> These, they are there, the Alabama, they are the Georgia, they are the, <laughs> the Patriots at their height. They are going to win. But, and I also wrote freight brokers will have a reaction to that. They will, they aren't going away overnight. And I remember people saying, no, 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 you can't write that. You can't write that. It'll offend somebody, but it was the truth, but also it had a fun point of view. So often I feel like we take this very boring, uh, frightened approach to marketing. Joe, I, I wish I could bring our copywriter Haley Walden on here. I feel like we could have a full, full blown therapy session because <laughs> of what she's, uh, <laughs> what she's been going through. But I, yeah, completely, completely agree. Unfortunately, we've had the same experience. And I think though, if you think about it from the founder or from the operator's perspective, they're just trying to protect themselves, right? Yeah, oh, of course. They're not wrong. I mean, no, they no, just, they're not it's wrong. just a point but of view. What they, what they are missing really in that is I would say two things. One, and this is hard for the supply chain space to get because it's, it's not always been true. Like not all good press is good press in the supply chain space, right? But when it comes to content, anything that you're controlling, it it is good in that because of the way the algorithms work and the way the internet works right now, any pop is going to serve you for a you know years to come down the road, whether that's positive or negative. The the second so I mean, you want it to be positive, but like if something somebody takes it the wrong way or whatever. The second thing is that 
the like we're in a content factory world right now. So like any blip that you have, if somebody gets upset, if somebody gets excited, it's forgotten in half an right. hour, right? Like right. it's a problem. But so this this overcautious nature, and we we have so many examples we're going through right now is is really just holding people back. And again, if you think of it as how do I turn my brand, my marketing, my whatever you want to call it, my growth engine into my best salesperson, forget about anything else. You know, you want your best salesperson making a volume of calls. You're not trying to, you're not telling them to perfect one call each day. It's the same thing when it comes to these assets. If you're limiting yourself to only what's perfect, it's going to be a call that gets pushed to voicemail and that sale never happens. It's the same exact thing. And by the way, we'd meant, we talked about Flock Freight and they had this award-winning advertisement. I will find that link. I will put it in the show notes. And that commercial is hilarious because it has swear words in it. And I don't know if you could put it on regular TV, but it doesn't matter. It goes on YouTube and they 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 block out the words, I think. But it is um it's hilarious. And 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 by the time you've watched it, 30 seconds or 40 seconds, whatever it is, you know exactly what they do different and better. And that is rare in our space. It's rare in our messaging, but I think. It, again, to go back, like that is the way this industry. So to be honest, I left the retail CPG, et cetera, space because the people working in those spaces can be very difficult to work with. And in the supply chain space, I genuinely love the people who exist in this space. They're just way more fun to hang out with and have to deal with every day. And so again, it's just literally unveiling who that like flock was just unveiling. This is who we are. Operators in supply chain don't take themselves overly seriously. That's one of the things I love about the people in this space. People are very grounded. They're very caring. They're very human. So it's just literally letting that flow out to the way that you talk in the space. Yep. So why don't you give us right now, let's just say the getting back to that freight brokerage example, you and I are going to start a freight brokerage and we want to build a brand that is noticed and is known for something great. And we want to grow that business and we, we want to grow that to be one of the leaders in the space over the next 10 years. Take us through that. Yeah. So I think we start off with what is truly different about us. I'm, I'm assuming if we're starting this business, there is some competitive value or advantage we have, right? Otherwise, like maybe let's not start it. But assuming that they there is, we want to do that. We call that a unique selling proposition. So we, you know, we want to work through what makes us different and better. (laughs) Yeah. What makes us different? What's true about us? How do we actually serve the customer that we're intending to serve? And then what's true about them? Where do they spend their time? Who are they? What's important to them? Do they like dogs? Do they prefer cats? Are they on the internet? You know, we want to find out as much as we can about these people so that we can serve them and make something that's valuable to them. Second, from there, then we want to start to spin up new media concepts, let's just call them. And the idea here is, you know, you've, you've alluded to flock a few times, but like, let's take it even out of supply chain. If you're just looking at entertainment and media, you're going to gravitate to the types of long form content that you appreciate. For me, that's sports. I love sports. I'll watch a documentary on sports. I'll listen to podcasts or whatever. Um, some people it's comedy, some people it's drama, etc. And so if you think of your brand as Netflix for a second, what are the key stable shows that you're going to be able to connect and, and deliver for your customers, right? Again, these are going to tie back to that unique selling proposition. So there's going to be out of that unique selling proposition, maybe three things that are truly different. Well, how do we find messaging verticals, messaging channels to communicate all three of those differentiators? And from there, we'll begin to socialize those, right? Like, so maybe it's a newsletter series. Maybe I'm just making this up. Maybe it's a newsletter series, a podcast series, and a YouTube series. And one of them is driver focused. One of them is customer focused. One of them is for operators. Again, just making these things up. Now we want to take a long form approach to documenting each of those things. And this is again, more simple than it sounds. It's literally record the podcast, literally create the YouTube, et cetera. And then use the snippets, use the important things. You and I in our conversation, Joe, have already covered like 12 topics. One or two of them is probably worth promoting somewhere. 
So what we want to do then is strategically find those one or two out of each of the long form elements and turn that into micro content that can go live on the internet. Right now, that's in vertical video, that's on TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, Facebook, that's in uh, LinkedIn newsletters is getting huge algorithmic push right now. So find those places where your customers are acting and consuming organically and repurpose those long form pieces for those for those avenues. Yep. So I want to take a quick time out to talk to small parcel shippers. I'm talking to you e-commerce sellers and the three PLs who serve them. I'm talking to you retailers. We got some great news this week. UPS is not going on strike, which is fantastic news for all of us, for the economy. The bad news is there's going to be a double digit rate hike somewhere in the neighborhood of 11 to 12%, according to experts. I just saw an article in FreightWaves about it. But what choice do you have? UPS and FedEx are the only game in town. Until now, Tusk Logistics, that's T-U-S-K Logistics, is a national network of the best regional small parcel carriers. Yes, I said national. Tusk will save you money, up to 40% in some cases. They have great pre-negotiated rates with the best small parcel carriers in the country. Tusk will also provide you proactive support and easy implementation because it's probably already integrated with your technology. Check them out at tusklogistics.com. And when you get there, click the Get Started button. Do yourself a big favor, save some money, go to Tusk Logistics. So getting back to it, we'll talk about podcasts because I understand that. But so this podcast will be 45 minutes or an hour, whatever it is. And from that, we, we cut clips from that. So we'll make some YouTube clips, which might be, you know, three, five minutes, whatever those. Then you mentioned the vertical, the vertical clips are like one minute. And those oftentimes end up on TikTok or Instagram reels. Also, they do well when you write some content and put them on Facebook or LinkedIn or, and it's interesting how well video does. And I'm one of the things I've said many times, um, before regarding writing, I wrote a long time. I wrote a, probably 500 or maybe more articles. I wouldn't say I was a great writer. I was prolific. And after a while, you start to get a feel for things. But it's hard to have your personality come through. Mm. And right now, I suspect you're a very good writer given your background. You could write something, but nothing is going to convey who you are and what you were trying to accomplish at Herd Media better than a video clip. So true. And you might write something and you go, Oh, I wrote this article and I really think my personality shines through. I don't know if they saw that little humor in here, little sarcasm in here. Maybe they did, but maybe they didn't. It's just hard to have that come through. And you don't know why you, you see, you see somebody on TV and you go, I really like them. Or you see a video clip and you go, I really like them. I don't know why. <laughs> it's it, why do why do we like certain comedians or certain actors or actresses more than others who knows i mean it's not just good looks all the time either i mean so yeah it's me, media is having a moment <laughs> it's so frustrating for me personally because i'm 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 an old grouchy man deep down in my like i would love to just sit here and yell at people on my lawn and so I love to write. I love to write. It's my favorite thing in terms of uh, creative activities to do. And in fact, right now I'm right, I'm doing a test um, for our newsletter. It's adamsletter.com. I was, I'm writing it fully and then just recording what I've written as audio, right? And the idea being, well, it's, it's all of my energy is going into this written thing. So it's going to be so much better than the audio. People will prefer the written thing. No. Like the, the numbers on audio and the number are so much higher in consumption. And I think it's a bunch of different reasons, but it's just the moment we're in right now. It's, it's a little bit more passive. It's a little bit more personality based. And uh, the written word still, I think, has a ton of value. But as marketers, it's not our job to really assign that. It's just to, 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 to deliver where people want to spend their attention. Yep. So getting back to our freight brokerage here, we'll come up. With what makes us different and better, you know, you used to call it unique selling. Sure. Unique selling what? Oh, uh, unique selling proposition. Yep. And so our USP, 
again. So we'll, we'll, we'll have a name that probably is associated with that. And we're going to create this content. Well, content doesn't get me sales. I know this. You can write a lot of articles. You can write a lot of, create a lot of videos, but I still need the next piece, which is how do I connect people who liked this video or this downloaded something? How do I get them to that next thing? Because this is where sales says, this is where marketing drops the ball. They create all this great content, but then that's where it ends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends a little bit on your objective, but two things. First of all, you notice we call it a unique selling proposition. I just want to continue. That's That just shows the intent here behind it. It's not the unique uh, marketing proposition, right? It's the unique thing that's going to drive sales. So our intent is all behind driving that revenue. The way that you begin to build actual revenue channels through this these exercises is number one, Audiences, when we say the word audience, is just another word for pipeline. Like in historically, you would create a sales pipeline. You would fill it with prospects. You'd go to trade shows, whatever, to build that. Our argument is for cents on the dollar, you can do that virtually and, uh, and, and continue to build your traditional sales pipeline. But anyone who subscribes, if, if you're building content the way that we do, you're as focused and intentional and niche with your offering and explaining what that is through your content. Anyone who willingly subscribes to that content is pipeline. There's no other reason for them to be involved with your brand or with your uh, content. And so that's where we start. We want to build things that invite prospective customers to be a part of our audience and to build that audience over time. And by the way, if you be, if I could tell you, Joe, that, hey, listen, I'm going to build you an event and you're going to have the undivided attention of 300 people. And all you have to do is talk to them for 30 minutes about what you want. You take that, right? For some reason, when it comes to these content channels, we get in our heads about numbers and statistics and analytics. And we're like, oh, we only had 200 people watch XYZ. If you had a movie theater of 200 people listen to your brand pitch right now, you'd be ecstatic. I totally agree. And I, I think I said this, we talked last week when I was out for a walk and I said this to you. It's a funny thing when I, we prep for 10 or 15 minutes before we hit record today. And a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to prep. And I was like, yeah, but if you were going to go give a speech, say at, at an event, and somebody said, there's going to be a couple thousand people are going to hear it. <laughs> and it's 40 minutes. Would you prep and say, yeah, well, that's what we're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands of people will listen to this and you don't want to prep. So I don't get to bring up what you do because I don't know it. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just misunderstanding the channel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And my friend, Ann Holm, she's my executive coach also. She's fantastic. She works with a lot of logistics people. And she told me that increasingly people's perception of you is shaped not by your resume or your LinkedIn, but by the, the digital stuff they find about you. And I was at Manifest not so long ago, and I talked to a couple of founders that I previously interviewed. And one of the feedbacks I got from all those guys was, yeah, when people interview with me, they they listen to that podcast and then they show up saying, oh, yeah, I when the reason they know about the company because they listen to that. Well, there's a ton of other stuff they did. Being on my podcast is probably, you know, less than less than a, a point one of their marketing. And yet that's what they noticed. That's what popped. Yeah. It's and it's it's because they're realizing and taking advantage of the opportunities to talk directly to their their prospect. And so to go back to your question, that's where we start. It, it, it's realizing and embracing the fact that your audience is your pipeline. So treat them as such, just like you'd prepare for a sales call, et cetera. And then there's the actual digital component of all of this, which is when someone self-identifies as a member of your audience, whether they visit your page, whether they listen to uh, or watch a piece of content and then click into a landing page, et cetera, they've now opted into your ability to essentially target them and track them on the internet, right? And so that's why we create so many pieces of that promotional content. We're casting the net as far as we can, as wide as we can onto all of these platforms. 
as people say, I'm interested in that. Let me see what more, a little bit more about that. We build audiences on all of these different ad platforms and retarget these people to make sure that they're getting a chance to engage with the brand as an, as a customer. So maybe it starts with something that's a little softer. It's a little bit more like uh, entertaining or fun or funny or whatever, a piece of content. If that drives them to your, your page and we can cookie them and tap, you know, put Facebook pixel them or whatever. Now they're part of our audience and there's twofold benefits to that. Yes, we get to talk to them. They also now inform our lookalike audience engine on those ad platforms. So we can talk to more people who look like them. So again, it's compounding in a way that I, I'm just, I continue to compare it to sales because you that was sort of the framing that, that we had at the beginning. But you making one sales call, unfortunately, does not now give you access to 20 other people who look and sound and buy just like that person you just called. That actually is the case when it comes to, to what we're talking about here. Yeah. So if, I, I joke about this sometimes. But I think it's true. If I need to make money today. I need to make a sale today or I'm going to get fired. I pick up the phone. I'm sending emails. 100%. I'm sending emails all day. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm sending messages. I'm networking. I'm doing any, everything I can do to get a sale. But if I need to grow over time, I want to create content. And I've said this before. When I was still doing digital marketing, I wrote an article that said, you're invisible. And you're invisible if right now you don't have anything about your brand other than a website. And I'm looking online and I'm looking for the very best blank. And I'm, you don't come up. I never find you. You're invisible to the, to a market. And I say this all the time. If your kids go into college, where do you start? Google search. You might go to US News and World Report, but you are going to go to Google over and over again. You go into Napa Valley with the wife. You check with Google first, right? You're going to buy a car, Google. So why do we think somehow, some way that when I need a new 3PL because my current one's dropping the ball, why aren't I going online? That's because that's where the, that's a lot of shippers begin. That's where the sales journey begins for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd like it to their sales journey begin when I call them and they accidentally pick up the phone, because by the way, that's the only reason, only reason that they picked up the phone is by accident. Cause yeah. they thought, Oh shoot. I thought Adam was from that zip, that area code. Damn it. It's some stranger. It's some yeah. rando yeah. who called me. And by the way, we are just at, not you. I was at the TMSA and we talked about it cause you're going to be at the next one, the executive summit coming up in October in Chicago. I will probably be there too. And at TMSA, they had a, a shipper panel. And those guys say, we we get, these are big shippers. We get tons of phone calls and we get a lot of messages that are clearly mass emails. And they go, and we just, we have no choice but to delete them because, and, and, and the, one guy said, oh yeah, we got one guy sent us a video. And they go, it was great, except there was a yacht in his the background. So we're like, uh, that's maybe the wrong messaging. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, he didn't he didn't do the USP uh, the workshop. Yeah. yeah, I think what you just said there was interesting. You said if, if I had to make a sale today, I would do these sales activities. Totally agree. I would say if you don't want to be in that position where you right. find yourself having to make a sale today <laughs> or you get fired, then these other these other things are are valuable, you know, much more valuable to you long term. Right. A lot of one of the reasons I started the podcast and I have sponsors is I used to have people say to me virtually every day, well, you have this huge following. If you would just refer people to me. And I was like, yeah, well, what will you pay me to refer people to you? Well, if I close the deal and I was like, after a while, I was like, no, that's that. that I'm not in any business. I'm just referring. I was like, create your own content. A lot of people don't have the time or the desire to do that. So that's why they hire people like yourself. Oh, speaking of which, I know you guys do a whole bunch of podcasts. And the one that I recognized was Dynamo. Uh, yeah, Future Supply Chain. Yep. And that is a top podcast. I check out I check out the logistics and supply chain podcasts to see how they're doing. I'm always trying to learn from these other people. And I, by the way, I can't 
listen to all of them. I try and listen for a half hour here or there because there is a lot. You know the same thing because you're a podcaster. I listen to my own three times a week and then I do interviews. You're like, I don't have time for more. <laughs> Maybe squeeze some Joe Rogan or someone else in there occasionally. But one of the things I think is we're also seeing, and I'm not just saying this because it's self-serving, is people are sponsoring podcasts and advertising a podcast like mine because they don't want to do it on their own. And one of the challenges I think sometimes is if we had a freight brokerage and we said, we are going to do our own podcast and a lot have done that. How do we get it? So it's not just so about us that it's, it comes like so sales focused where you say, yeah, I'd listen to Joe and Adam's podcast about their great freight brokerage, except that's all it's about. <laughs> I heard two episodes. It's about how great their freight brokerage is. I don't want to yeah, listen to it. It's a huge problem. And, you know, podcasting has this problem kind of on the whole. If you look at the statistics, it's something like 75 or 80 percent of podcasts don't get past the seventh episode and, and uh, never breach 100 listeners. Right. So even if they continue on for a hundred episodes, they never build any type of audience. And to me, that's a clear flag that you you actually aren't building for your audience. You know, you're building to have your voice heard or to sell, like you said. But again, reframing what an audience is and understanding, okay, me serving these people is going to build pipeline, but not in a direct line. I need to I need to think first about what they actually want and need is a huge gap that I think a lot of people have. And so finding ways to prioritize and serve and elevate your audience. I'll give you a perfect example. We have a show called The Six Figure Trucker. It's for a company called Norton Transport, another one of our, our clients and The Six Figure Trucker. So right off the bat there, you say, okay, well, what is, how is that selling Norton Transport in any way? It's not. In fact, if you listen to the show, they don't say the words Norton Transport. They talk to drivers about either how they've built a career and how they've you know, built this really nice lifestyle for themselves or give advice, talk to other people who can help drivers. So they'll bring accountants on and they'll bring whatever, you know, career coaches, et cetera, on to help drivers elevate themselves and become six-figure truckers or, or you know, pass that. That to me is the difference. They're not selling Norton, but by a result of their elevation of their audience, who in, in this case is a driver, they've gone from 200 drivers to 1100 drivers over the past three years. How do you think their business is done as a result of that? Like, yeah, that's, that's a great idea. And that's a great example. And I think, I think one of the challenges with um, podcasting is I've always said, I, I've done, I've done plenty of bad podcasts as my loyal listeners will attest. <laughs> One of great way to do bad podcasts is to be salesy or like sure. if I have guests who are super salesy, like if they, to Western people, it's like nails on a chalkboard. We, we pick that up in a heartbeat. It's yeah. any language like, Adam, can you see how this might benefit you and your family? You're like, get out of my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've been, we've been, in, we've all been in uh, awkward timeshare situations. <laughs> right. So no one wants to hear the sales talk. It kills podcasts dead boring kills podcast dead. So I'm always, I'm always afraid that I'm going too much on a tangent. So I'm always like, let's go, let's go. Let's not go. No tangents, Joe. And, um, and then I think too much tech talk. So I always think, and again, I'm not saying I'm not using myself necessarily as a great example, but I'm, I don't like it when I hear stuff that I don't understand and then they keep going and going and going. So I always say, if you're going to talk about tech, we have to keep it in layman's terms and we have to keep it quick because that's it kills podcasts. And I think that that when I look at this podcast, my podcast, I look, there has to be a value for you, Adam Vasquez, to come on my podcast. So I want my audience to get to know, like, and trust you. I want them to see you as that recognized industry expert who can help them better understand this space. You solve a problem that they have and they see you as that expert. And at the end, I always say, plug, plug, plug. It's kind of like the good night kiss. It's real weird at the beginning of the date, but makes sense at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And and for my audience, I always kind of think I don't want to bring them any topics that I think they don't want to talk about. I mentioned to you, I'm always afraid to do anything in marketing because people are more interested in sales. I think they should be more interested in building brands, not only not only uh, 
brands for business, but also personal brands. But I I want to be sensitive to what my audience likes. So it's it's a it's a it's a challenge, and you really, to your point, have to figure out what does that audience really react to. And I kind of look at the stats and go, oh, they really don't care about blank. <laughs> and I had a podcast about culture, and it was like the importance of culture. I will never say culture is not important. My audience doesn't care about they they care about that. They don't listen to my podcast to learn about. How do they build well, a better culture? And again, and I'm sure you, you you're the king of this with all the amount of episodes you've done. But like like when you say culture, okay, so I could see where that's a soft skill, or someone might be like, ah, I don't feel like listening. But if you had an interview with Ted Alling where he talks about how he sold his business for seven, I would like that. He won't come on. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying? Like the outcome of the sale, well, Ted. Yeah, I, I know Ted. Like his big thing he points to is their culture. That was the, so giving it again, just for the listener, framing it in terms that they care about, as opposed to what it is you even want to talk about. And this is way harder to do for, like, I can do this for other people. It's hard for me to do for myself. Right. So it's, it's, it's not an easy thing, but that exercise is really, really valuable. Yep. Yeah. And by the way, Ted Alling is the I forgot the name of his company that he sold us. What access America was the business access he, America. Yep. That was it. Yep. Yep. And he's, he's, was in Chattanooga. He, um, when Craig Fuller was on my podcast, Craig Fuller said, Ted Elling is one of the reasons we have this explosion of, well, what, why is Chattanooga the Silicon Valley of freight? Ted Elling is the reason that Craig Fuller brought up. Obviously Craig Fuller's had a lot to do with that too, but, Anyway, yeah, I would love to have him on my podcast someday. I did talk to one of his partners over at Dynamo, which is one of your customers. And again, a top podcast. Guys, check it out. That is a venture capital company down in Chattanooga. Great podcast. So getting back to it, how do we build this business? How do we build that brand? We figure out what how to make what makes us different and better, our US, USP. We create content and then we get it out there. And we're both big advocates of the audio and the video, because it just seems to perform really well. But it's not just not just the long form, long form, and then cut it up into a ton of clips, share that out. And again, this is, I'll throw this out there. This isn't instead of your sales effort. I would always say, you you can you you could say uh, we're talking about cross border. We talked about cross border Mexico. We did a webinar on that or a video series. And then when you're talking to somebody and they don't answer the phone, you may be sending them a, a video on LinkedIn. Hey, check out our, our webinar we did the other day on just this topic. And then they go, oh, you're not just a guy banging the phones. You guys are flat out experts at this. I saw you talking to one of your customers on a video series. That is compelling to me because it's not instead of sales. It's not instead of phone calls or emails. It's supplementing it. And we all want to work with experts. None of us want to work necessarily with a sales guy. If you get, you, you have a plumbing problem over the weekend, you're not going, Hey, you know what, what I would like, I would love to talk to a plumbing sales guy. <laughs> you're like, no, I want to talk to a damn plumber. That's right. Yeah. And then, you know, from, from there, as you're deploying the content, finding ways to inject it where you need to with some paid spend to get more of those hard hitting leads. And I think, you know, lots of businesses have found plenty of success with that direct response legion. It can get dangerous. You can get reliant on that. You can become expectant of just spending a few dollars and getting a higher ROI in return. Um, but that won't last if you don't do all of the other steps leading up to it. So I got to tell you, I did a webinar this was years ago. I did, I did a ton of webinars before I got the podcast and I did a webinar and it was on, I think it was on cross cross border Mexico US and like 100 people signed up which was great 40 yeah, actually 40 showed up right that's great though but, yeah but i remember i always reach out to people before the the webinar so there's like probably five or six people i really was interested in i reached out to one of the people and they work for bear b a y e r the huge company and i sent them and you know and i had this gal's phone number i called her and i said Hey, this is Joe Lynch, and I wanted to talk to you about, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And she was kind of not rude, but short, 
very clear that not interested, right? The next morning I, I opened up my email and I got an email from her. She says, oh my God, Joe, when you called yesterday, I didn't realize who it was. Please give me a call back. And I didn't get the business, but she's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know who you were when you called yesterday. And uh, so I'll tell you about what we're doing to give me the whole rundown, why they, why they do it internally. And I remember thinking such a different vibe because she was coming to my webinar. And when you create content and people like it, you get your foot in the door. You don't get the sale, but you definitely get your foot in the door sometimes. 100%. And especially the way that things are going now in our industry and things are becoming more and more um, commoditized, like we said, and, and also tech enabled, you will be able to get the sale or, or some companies can already. And so closing that loop is is huge. Yeah. And by the way, I have sponsors and advertisers and they keep coming back. Not all of them. <laughs> things change, but I do talk to them. I said, do you get business? And I, I won't mention names, but there was a company that I heard the other day got a big managed trans deal because yeah, they're on the podcast. Yep. And you go, yeah, is that worth an hour? <laughs> a little yeah, bit exactly. of money? <laughs> anyway, enough of my blather. So let's wrap this bad boy up. Give me your final thoughts on growing a brand and a business. I, I think we, we pretty well covered it. I would just say, um, you know, if you're a leader in a business or you're, you're an operating or thinking of founding a, a business, I think most people who have that personality sort of intuitively get this. It's more the taking the steps to make it happen. And uh, hopefully some of the stuff that we've talked about today will make it that a little bit easier. Yep. So again, who's the sweet spot for herd media? Yeah, we work, we work with companies that are, you know, in these industries. Um, you know, here's the, here's what I'll say, actually. We, we have a small team. We're pretty selective in, in the companies that we work with, but my newsletter and my podcast are built to help anybody and everybody who's looking to learn about this stuff. So um, yeah, maybe those were are better solutions for the audience kind of at large. I see you're walking the walk here. You know, this, you do, you do what you say you do. You're eating, you're eating your own oatmeal. So by the way, it is heard as H E A R D. Like I heard you not heard like a herd of Buffalo. Correct. 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 <laughs> yeah. Trustherd.com with the H E A R D is our, uh, is our website. Oh yeah. So it's tr trust heard. I'm sorry. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, a link to your website, uh, definitely a link to your podcast. Any other links you give me, I will put those in the show notes along with the flock freight video. And I, if I can find there some, you go. I would also like to find uh, something about Gary V in case the, by the way, Gary V is probably worth a couple hundred million dollars, but he comes off more down to earth than anybody you probably could follow online. Brilliant. Brilliant guy. I think he's going to see, he always says he's going to buy his, uh, what is it? The Jets. NFL team. He's going to buy the Jets someday. He says someday he's going to buy the Jets. And I kind of believe him. <laughs> he's still a young man. So what conferences will we see you at, Adam? Yeah, you and I talking earlier, I think the Executive Summit, is that what we said? Yep. At TM, at, TMSA in October. It's in October in Chicago. Yep. And I, get, I don't think I have anything scheduled between now and then. Right. I was going to say the, the season is kind of coming to an end. I'm sure there's some conferences, but we can enjoy the summer for a minute. So I like to interview smart, interesting people like you who are killing it in the space. Who else should I interview? Yeah, I, I had to cut down the list because uh, I've got a ton uh, for you. But I think three folks that I would recommend. Number one is Jeremy Kellett. He's the head of recruiting at a company called Oakley Trucking. They have built an entire recruiting pipeline through their content strategy and have gone from about 1200 YouTube subscribers to about 18,000 since last September. Nice. I think that, that could be a really interesting conversation for your audience. Second would be Scott Osland. He's the CEO of a company called Gulf Relay. They're launching a new brand and making a transition from being only asset-based to launching a, a managed trans and tech solution that is pretty innovative and game-changing and, and they partner with all the companies that you've you've worked or that you've interviewed here before and then the third would be a guy named john madewell he's the host of the show i alluded to earlier the six-figure trucker oh i love i love it i never heard of that but i but what i love about that title is you know exactly what it is that's right that's right see usp yeah 
it's, it, and also I love what you said. It's, it's, it's for truckers to show them how to get to that six figures and they're going to listen. And it doesn't have to be about Norton transport. They, I'm sure, I'm sure people are listening and going, Oh, by the way, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's easy. It's uh we overcomplicate these things sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. You're a great guest and I love what you guys are doing. And I, I, I uh, encourage everybody to check out what you're doing with your content. And you, I would say one great way to learn from marketers is to see what they're creating. And um, yeah, totally agree. <laughs> usually the top marketers are doing it pretty well for themselves. So we will check out what you're doing. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you having me on. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.